Alright, we're in Genesis chapter number 3, and we're going to be in verse 6 through 21. That's the context today, and the title of the message is Adam and the Woman. And we've been in the book of Genesis. Last week we were talking about the, the great conflict, which is the first prophecy in the Bible there in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15. And we're going to stay along those lines today. We're going to be talking about Adam and Eve and their relationship. We know this was in the Garden of Eden during the Age of Innocence and how Adam was alone and he needed a helper. And if we actually go back for a little bit in chapter number 2, verse 18 through 24, by way of introduction, what I'd like to do is talk about marriage and the act of uniting a man and a woman for life. That is the definition of marriage. And we're here in Genesis chapter number 2. In verse 18 through 24, the Bible says, Genesis chapter number 2, verse 18 through 24, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature... That was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs, and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman." And brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. We're talking about Adam and the woman. And by way of introduction, we're looking here at marriage. Number one, by way of introduction, we see marriage was originated by God. Woman was the last act of creation. And not only did she complete creation, but she completed man. God created woman for man. The animals had a companion, but Adam did not. Genesis chapter 6, verse 19, if you flip over that way, And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort, shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female. Genesis 1, uh, verse 22 through 24, flip back from our, our text here and Kind of give a recap, but, And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let fowl multiply in the earth, and evening and the morning were the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beasts of the earth after his kind. And it was so. God created the woman specifically for the man. He took the woman from the side of the man, not to be a master not to be a slave, but to be the helper. We see that marriage was originated by God. Marriage was also ordained 
by God. That word ordain means to appoint, to consecrate, to authorize. I'm quoting here from Dr. David Cloud, Marriage was the first institution ordained by God after the creation of man, and it is the bedrock of the human society. Anything which corrupts marriage in the home is a direct threat to society as a whole. How true is that? I want to quote again here from Dr. Henry M. Morris, The integrity and permanence of the individual home is such as great importance that God made it plain from the beginning that marriage was intended to be permanent until death. It is true, of course, that with marriage, as well as with all other human activities, God hath made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions. That's referring to Ecclesiastes 7, verse 29. To continue the quote, he says, Polygamy, concubinage, palandry, easy divorce, adultery, promiscuity, and other distortions of the marriage covenant have permeated many cultures, but as the Lord Jesus said, from the beginning it was not so. And that's quoting Matthew 19, verse number 8. That's Dr. Henry M. Morris. Marriage has been ordained, has been appointed, has been set apart, has been authorized by God himself. And then last of all, marriage is, is overseen by God. Who oversees the great unity of marriage? Mark chapter 10, verse number 9 says, What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. The Genesis record of marriage is not allegorical, but historical. Meaning, marriage was originated, ordained, and overseen by God in its holy unity. In order for a marriage to be truly successful, it must follow the guidelines given by God himself. Ephesians chapter number 5, verse number 22 through 23, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. 
and the wife see that she reverence her husband. The title again today is Adam and the Woman. And let's look at the relationship between Adam and the woman after the marriage was originated, ordained, and overseen by God through the fall and up to the conversion of, of, of them both. So we're, we're looking here in Genesis chapter 3, and our main text is going to be in verse 6 through 21, and I'll read those verses as we give the points. And if you want to follow along with me, if, if you're... Uh, if you have a Bible nearby and you want to follow along with me, or maybe you're in the car, or you're just listening to me in the background, whatever it may be, I'll read those verses. So, whichever suits you best there. We're talking about Adam and the woman. Three main points. Number one, when Adam chose the woman, it revealed his failure. When Adam chose the woman, it revealed his failure. Genesis chapter number 3, verse number 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. I want to quote here from John T. Eldridge. He's the author of the, the book Wild at Heart. If you've never read that, I highly, highly recommend you reading that. And I quote here, Adam was not deceived by the serpent. Did you know that? Paul makes it clear in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 14, Adam did not fall because he was deceived. His sin was different. In some ways, it was more serious in that he did did it with open eyes. We do not know how long it lasted, but there was a moment in Eden when Eve was fallen and Adam was not. She had eaten, but he yet had a choice. I believe something took place in his heart that went like this. I have lost my soulmate, the most vital companion I've known. I do not know what life will be like, but I know I cannot live without her. Adam chose Eve over God. And again, that is from John T. Eldridge in his book, Wild at Heart. Friends, I want to pay close attention to a fact here in the Bible. When you read the account of the fall of man in Genesis chapter number 3, we all know how the story goes. The story does not go that Satan went directly to Adam and deceived him into eating the fruit. Satan went to Eve. He did not tempt Adam. He tempted the woman. Notice what Eve said in Genesis. She said, neither shall we touch it. God never said that. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... Thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Yes, this was in the age of innocence, but it's clear that Satan knew he could get to Adam through Eve. Satan knows how to get to us. It's very important that we understand that. 
When I say us, I'm referring to believers. Adam's failure came when he chose the woman over God. Be warned of this, Christian. Be warned that Satan knows the buttons to push. Satan knows our our weak spots. I, I'm rem- reminded of that, that text there, and I believe it's in Acts. Um, perhaps I could be misquoting here, but... In fact, it was the book of Acts chapter number 19. And, and when you have those... Those, those evil spirits there, those, those demons, and, and that individual, that was a certain of the vagabond Jews there. He, uh, he was, he was calling out those evil spirits in the name of the Lord Jesus. It says that we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches, preacheth. And the evil spirit, the Bible says, answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are Ye, friends, if you if you are a child of God and you are a Christian who you're active in the ministry and you proclaim the word of God and you are constantly trying to uh, to preach the word and, and and trying to get the word out and you're trying to do your best. As a, as a believer, to let your light so shine. If, if that's you, then yes, the, the, the demons know who you are. And our prayer as believers, knowing that Satan, like a, a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, our prayer as Christians should be, Thank you, Lord. For, for the spouse that you've given us, for those of us who are married. Thank you, Lord, for the beautiful children that you've blessed us with. And, and again, not everyone has kids and some people can't. So those of us who do should be extremely, extremely thankful for that. Thank you, Lord, for, for all the many blessings that you've bestowed upon us. But Lord, guard our hearts to keep you first, lest Satan should get an advantage for we are not ignorant of his devices. Amen. That should be our prayer today as believers. Because the devil, his demons, the prince, the power of this world, he knows how to get to us. He knows where those weak spots are. He's seeking whom he may devour. He's looking to see, okay, how can I get to this strong Christian who's boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. How can I get to them? Where's their weak spots? What is something in their life that I could get to have them put that over God so I could hurt their testimony and cause them to, instead of being such a a bold follower of Jesus Christ, but to be a stumbling block to the brethren? How can I make their wife... Uh, get the place over God? How can I make their career, their finances, their children even, get the place as the Lord in their life so that way I can just kind of die that fire on down and no longer have to work to worry about this individual? Friend, that is the prayer we should be praying today that God would guard our hearts and that we would keep Him the Lord of our lives where He belongs. When Adam chose the woman, it revealed his failure. Adam chose Eve over God. And 
uh, we, we see what the results were from that. Adam and the woman. Number two, why Adam covered the woman, it revealed his fear. We're in Genesis chapter number three, and we're going to pick back up here in verse number seven. Genesis chapter number three, verse number seven. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. I'm going to read on down to verse number 14. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commandest thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above cattle, and above every beast of the field, upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Number one, when Adam chose the woman, it revealed his failure. We see that in verse number six. But by reading verse number 7 through 14 of Genesis chapter number 3, why Adam covered the woman, it revealed his fear. What did Adam and Eve do? When they realized they were naked, they went out and covered themselves. Remember, before the fall of man, he did not have a conscience. Mankind did not, Adam and the woman did not have a conscience. Now they do. And they realized they were naked. Not only were they naked, but they were separate from God. That's what sin has done. It separates us from God. He tries clothing himself. He tries clothing Eve, the woman. But it does not get them back in fellowship with God. What does the Bible tell us in Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6? But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. We live in a day where we will try and, and justify anything and everything. Talked about this a little last week. And go back, if you would, um, to the story, and actually from, from the story we're in now, Adam and the woman, you're going forward. But in, in, in our current position in the church age, go back to the Old Testament. Go, go back to Elisha and the, the captain of the host of, of Syria, Naaman, when he had leprosy. And how the little um, Israeli girl that Naaman and his wife had taken captive and she was now the, 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 the servant girl. How she found out that he had leprosy. So she told them about Elisha and how Elisha, the man of God, could heal him of his leprosy. And for those of you who don't know the story, Naaman goes to his king and the king of Syria then goes, sends to the king of Israel saying that 
he he wants um him to there you know to to heal Naaman of his leprosy and the king of Israel is is, is uh, very nervous about this because he's no he cannot heal anybody from leprosy but Elisha hears about it and Elisha says send them on over so Naaman and his men they come and 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 they're ready to you know Naaman is ready to have this great miracle happen that's going to make him look good you see something that where, yes, he has leprosy, and yes, it's a horrible disease. It is a sickness that's eating away at him, and he has got to do something about this awful sickness. But in order to heal this sickness, he still wants to make himself look good, and he wants to do it on his terms, you see. He wants to do something that would heal himself from this leprosy. So he goes to Elisha, and Elisha, he, he looks out and he sees him and he says, Go dip in the Jordan River seven times. Now the Jordan River was very muddy, it was very dirty. Naaman did not like this idea. He did not want to go to the Jordan River. He would rather go to the river of Damascus or somewhere that was beautiful and that would make him look good. Or he would, I'm sure, rather Elisha come out and kind of like the faith healers of today do, uh, and, and, you know, touch his head or, or something, or, or, you know, smack him upside the head and let him roll around the floor some like like they do today. But instead, Elisha said, go dip in the Jordan River seven times. How is that uh, symbolic of our salvation today? Well, I'll tell you. In order for a person to be saved, number one, they have to meet God's terms. Those were not Elisha's terms. Those were God's terms. Elisha was the man of God. He was a prophet. He was a foreteller and a foreteller. He was simply telling Naaman what God had told him to do. And not only was this the word of God that Naaman had to obey, but this is also a type of Calvary. Calvary, where Jesus Christ suffered, bled, and died on an old rugged cross, is not a pretty picture. It's not one of those pictures that you see the artists today try to portray Jesus. And I don't mean this in any disrespect, but they paint this wimpy little guy up on a cross. And he's got this little humble look on his face with his head tilted and a little trickle piece of blood coming down. That's not how Calvary was at all. Friends, the Bible tells us that when they saw Jesus, they barely even recognized him. Those Roman soldiers beat him so bad, his skin was like hamburger meat. He was deformed. They ripped the hair off his face. They beat him with a cat of nine tails. They put a, a crown of thorns into his head. And they nailed him onto an old rugged cross so he could become sin for us. Calvary is a dark place. It's a place where we must humble our, ourselves. And realize that there is nothing that we can do to cure this horrible sickness of sin that has separated us from God. That is going to send us to hell because we are totally depraved. We have been separated from God. And just like Naaman, we have to humble ourselves and go to that dark place which in Naaman's case was the Jordan River. And finally, one of his men taught some sense into him, and he went down there and dipped seven times. Seven is the number of completion. And when he dipped that seventh time and came up, his skin was like a newborn babe. When we go God's way, 
And when we submit ourselves to the Lord's will, which is for us to come to Him by faith in Jesus Christ, to believe on Him as our Lord and personal Savior, He'll create in us a clean heart, as David prayed. Paul said that uh, he was a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things were passed away. Adam and, and the woman, they tried covering themselves, but it doesn't work. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. We try our best if it's through charity, if it's through good deeds. We can try all the good works to justify our conscience and to try to, to do things that we think would, would be enough to get back in a good relationship with God. And it is impossible. We see why Adam covered the woman. It revealed his fear. But last of all, we see... What Adam called the woman, it revealed his faith. Let's finish up our text here in Genesis chapter number 3 and verse number 15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. If you want to uh, know more about that, that was our previous one, you know, about the uh, uh, the first prophecy of the Bible there. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow, and thy conception in sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam, he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eatest of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake, in sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also, and thistles, it shall bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. In verse number 15... God promised that there would be a redeemer. And it says there that it shall, uh, it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. That's, that's referring to Christ bruising the head of Satan, the prince of the power of the world. How Christ will come and he'll become sin and he'll pay the ultimate uh, payment for sin. And how he'll be victorious there and, and thou shalt bruise his heel. That's referring to, uh, Satan there. So, um, God promises a redeemer in verse number 15. In verse number 20, the Bible says, And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. When Adam chose the woman, it revealed his failure. Why Adam covered the woman reveals his fear. What Adam called the woman revealed his faith. Notice this, the mother of all living. Adam named her Eve because by faith he trusted that God would send a redeemer. Friends, he couldn't have called her anything. He, at, at this point, he could have called her the mother of death. He could have called her many things, but he decided to put his faith that God would send a redeemer. When Adam realizes that he is lost and without hope, 
Those fig leaves weren't going to cut it. He comes to God by faith and he's clothed after the blood of an innocent animal was shed. When we read on there, uh, the last part of, of that chapter there, it says that um, unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. He promised a redeemer and that redeemer came. His name is Jesus Christ. He became sin for us. The day I realized I was lost, I came to God by faith and the blood of Jesus Christ covered me, declaring me righteous. When Adam chose the woman, it revealed his failure. Why Adam covered the woman, it revealed his fear. And what Adam called the woman, it revealed his faith. Until next time, may the Lord bless you.